Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, we just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Today on the show, I am so happy to welcome Lindsay Bastola. She is re-imaging the fitness experience and showing you how to avoid the sea of sameness. Lindsay is also a speaker, a coach, and of course, a fellow mama. I am so excited to bring this topic to you today and to learn from Lindsay. This is the Fit CFO Show. First of all, welcoming you today. Thank you so much for being on. Anytime I can have a really awesome fellow female entrepreneur on the show, I'm super excited to do so. So you said that you were in this corporate world in New York and the hustle bustle. How did you go from that to where you're at now? I'll give the, try to do it under 120 second the version. Cliff notes version. <laughs> yeah. The cliff notes. So, um, you know, I was, and I, and I bet a lot of listeners can probably identify with this where, you know, you're the overachiever and you make decisions, you choose your colleges and your career trajectory based on what you think other people think you should do. And so when I was in high school, I thought I had to do something really big and important like international politics. And so I grew up in yeah. Hawaii. So, you know, part of that was like, let me fly across the country, sight unseen. I went to American University in DC, great experience. Uh, majored in international politics. Japanese was, you know, my second Japanese politics and language was a, a second part wow. of my focus. Yeah. So um, anyway, you know, left that, moved up to New Jersey, New York, and um, got a fantastic opportunity with an international translation and communication firm. So big global company moved very quickly up the ranks. I was like 20 nothing running, you know, a $42 million department, managing 60 employees all across the world, traveling, um, learned so much. Um, but the biggest thing I learned after a few years there was that I'm not very good at working for somebody else. <laughs> um, and again, I've met a lot of people listening to this can identify. Um, yeah. So very unexpectedly, you know, kind of a, a typical corporate situation where I just, I realized it's like, wow, they can, they can really, um, the environment, right. It, it really can feel stifling and, and where you feel like you're doing well and thriving and supported. Um, I just learned a lot about myself and leadership and, um, anyway, very unexpectedly decided, I said, you know what, if I don't leave this now, I will be stuck. I'll be the the person on the train every day, spending three, four hours on the train in Mm -hmm. and out of New York saying like, yep, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've hated every minute of it, but it, you know, it's a great pay. Right. So yeah. Uh, unexpectedly left that. And I said, you know, my, my whole entire life, I was an athlete. I worked as a student physical therapist. It was an area I always enjoyed and thrived. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get into, I'm going to get into fitness. So got my fitness, uh, my personal training certification started doing, um, at home personal training, 
quickly grew that book of business uh, where I was like literally working more hours than I was in New York. Uh, <laughs> and I said, okay, I've got to like leverage this. Um, you know, I can't trade time for dollars. I saw a ceiling, yeah. right? Um, very early on, I invested in marketing courses and coaches and things. And so quickly changed my business model to um, outdoor boot camps. And that was kind of in the early, before, yeah. you know, early ages of that, if you will. And uh, then opened up a gym and um, had that for, did that for 12 years. And in the interim, you know, something that, you know, always drove me was, you know, I want to be part of this life-changing industry, but how else can I help up-level an industry that I feel like gets short-changed by its lack of credibility? So yeah. when you tell someone you're a personal trainer, you know, there, there's a certain, um, professionalism that I felt like was lacking. And so I was editor of personal fitness professional magazine for 10 years, which gave me a great opportunity. You know, I had my boots on the ground as a gym owner and trainer, but, um, as editor, you know, I really got exposure into all the different silos of the industry, big box, the boutique, uh, you know, micro gyms, uh, the tech side online and um, and really gave me some great um, just insight into what what we what we needed. And um, so I did that. And, and I sold my gym about four years ago because I knew it was just time to evolve that entrepreneurial sort of what's next. Yeah. Um, and now I have a wellness program that I did in my in my uh that was the cornerstone signature program in my gym. I now license that and work with um, gyms, health clubs, medical practitioners to use that as kind of a missing link in their services and uh, just try to contribute to this great industry in the best ways I can. So I, don't, I think that might've been more than 120 seconds, but hopefully that gave you. No, that is to work with. That is so, uh, that's an amazing journey. That's an amazing story. I'm glad that you shared that with me. Thank you for that. I know that when you and I first met, it was at the Nashville growth summit last yeah. year. And I felt like we hit it off right away. And I'm like, gosh, I just have to talk to her a little bit more. And it's been this long since. So I know. And here we are. I'm glad we got to finally connect, <laughs> but, um, but no, that is, that is such a cool journey. Um, I definitely know what it's like to be in that corporate setting. Um, so I had my book of business with my, um, you know, financial services and property and casualty agency for 12 years, I grew it to one of the largest of its kind in our state. And, and I got to that point too, where I was like, you know, it's time, it's time for something different. I feel like I wasn't necessarily, I was an entrepreneur, but yet I still had to follow their rules and play by their friend. So it was like a franchise essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so I definitely completely understand that where if they change the rules, it didn't matter. Like I didn't really have a say in that. And so, so kind of when I knew it was time to head out, it was a really tough decision, but I think once you finally make that shift and make that change, and then it sets right in your heart, you're like this, this was the right call. This was the right thing for me. And, and it gave somebody else a really good opportunity too, because it was an amazing opportunity, just not for me anymore, you know, and, and it allows us to really help this industry, which absolutely is amazing Absolutely. in its very own way. Yeah. Well, I listened to uh, several of your, I like to, you know, kind of rabbit hole and research and listen and get to know you without you knowing that I'm getting to know you. But I feel like, and maybe you can agree that arguably one of the most challenging things in a gym setting is really providing value 
without that like race to the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like in the gym setting, cause we used to own an anytime fitness back in the day. And this is kind of what started us off into uh, the beginning of what we do now. There wasn't a lot of information out there. Anytime fitness is a great franchise, great model. I will never say anything bad about it, but on the how to run a business side, there, there's not a lot of information out there. And I love that you're bringing awareness to that and that, you know, producing results, providing value while being able to make a profit is so important in this industry. So explain to me, cause I know that you have a really neat way to be able to help gym owners be able to do that. Sure. So I'll start with where I, I see a few <clears throat> areas of gaps, if you will. So I think that I had the advantage when I started my fitness business, um, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, social media was not around. That's a different conversation. Isn't that hilarious? Of, like, it, I love that is. I'm talking to somebody in my same era because yeah, <laughs> because it's it's that. obviously it's it's a blessing, and you know, and I have to kind of catch myself on my resistance even to social media often. But um, when you're forced to, you just had to be more creative, right? And and yeah. I think what's happened with the prolific the proliferation of information for somebody who wants to, you know, have their own business, which is a different conversation because I think a lot of people in the fitness industry in particular, they think the next they're they're a great trainer and they're just like the next obvious step for them is to open a gym and they're not right. ready. They're not right. equipped. They don't have the skill set. And, um, and then they just sort of follow the like one, two, three, what they think, you know, to open up a gym and, and then they get bottlenecked, they get, you know, blindsided, they get tethered to something that they weren't fully prepared or equipped. It's almost for. like it's for whatever reason, that next rite of passage is to become, you know, a gym owner. As yes. Kind of it's the next obvious step. And right. I think that's something as an industry, we can be very short-sighted in terms of what the trajectory of the career can look like. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to digress. So in terms of, you know, the, the, the gym owner, uh, that, that mindset of that race to the bottom. And I, th I think I coming from a corporate background in management and leadership, certain business acumen. My father was an entrepreneur. So I had the, the kind of the benefit of having some of those conversations yeah. with him. He really challenged me when I went to go open my brick and mortar and I had a brilliant business model without the insane overhead asked me hard questions, made me have some honest conversations, like just even the decision-making process right. and, and sort of that iron gut that you have to have as an yeah. entrepreneur. Um, but I, I came in with this background of a, a few key skills that I think as when somebody transitions into fitness business owner, that they often don't realize that they need. Yeah. So in my corporate experience, when I was first, uh, promoted to manager, the very first thing that they did was they sent me to leadership training. They sent me to um, several different courses on leadership and management. Um, and, and that is one misstep in the fitness industry that we're not doing is we're not looking, we, we go and we get certifications for right. different exercise and programming right. and, you know, different modalities, which is important. That's like, I call it the fitness IQ. We need that. Right. I'm not downplaying that to provide safe and progressive, you know, programming, et cetera. But then there's this whole piece, this other side, communication, 
language that we use. Um, you know, the, you know, I talk a lot about emotional intelligence in, yeah. in fitness. Like understanding it, your, your client reach. We too. are a service-based business. Yep. Our product just happens to be fitness. Right. So, um, so I was equipped with a lot of these skill sets when I came in were just very second nature to me. So yeah. I had to practice sales. I had sales managers before we went in and I was in pharma and medical device. And so I was going into mm-hmm. boardrooms with, you know, these multi-billion dollar companies. And I had to understand the language to use, how to talk, who is my client, what to say, what not to say. And nothing's different in a sales conversation, selling personal training sessions or selling right. a group membership. And, um, and I think that that's a skill set that I don't think I realized how important it was until I looked around the industry and I was like, nobody else, like there are too many people not doing this well. Like there's these great trainers, but they're bottlenecking. They're like hampering their success because they don't have the skill, marketing skill, sales skills, uh, really just understanding the psychographics of who they can help and how to talk to them and how to then elicit the best results for them along their journey. So Right. Um, And then if they're not finding that out, then they're just like everybody else. And so then the only thing that they can change is to be cheaper. Yes. So that was my next point. It's, you know, you might've heard me talk about (laughs) it. No, no, no. That's a great segue. Um, One of the benefits I think actually that I had was that I did not come up through like the typical, like I didn't work for, I never worked for a gym. I worked in gyms all over. I worked out in gyms all over the country, Yeah, but I never worked in a gym. So I almost wasn't like jaded or I didn't have this preconceived notion about what fitness sales should look like. I was just like, I have this great product that solves a problem. Let me find a person who I think I would resonate with and let me sell it, assign a value to it and deliver it in a great way. Um, And so, you know, as you start looking across the industry, especially in the last, let's say, 10 years with, you know, more of these boutique, well, the the small group train, the group training, you know, you have your F45s, your Orange Theories, you know, then your independents. Um, And I use the story of recent when I, um, when my gym was closing. I don't know if you heard this when I was talking about it. So I'm in Raleigh and I go to a, like an open access gym. Yeah. Now these open access. Yeah. No, yeah. You have it yet. So this is, I think this is very telling and hopefully those listening, you know, it's, it's a value, but um, we often don't as fitness professionals, we don't put ourselves in our consumer shoes. Mm-hmm. Like what are they seeing? Yep. And so I'm in, you know, working on the gym and the gym's okay. It does the job. Like it gives me what I need, but I'm, I'm part of the, the 20% of generally self-motivated people who will go to the gym on their own. Right. People who are looking for a micro gym group experience that they'll specifically say, I need accountability and I need like structure. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so my gym, we find out is closing and I'm like, oh my gosh, my gym's closing. Now I have to like make this decision of where I'm going to go. And it gave me an opportunity to be in the shoes of the consumer where I'm looking mm. around and being like, okay, what are my options? Okay. Yeah. And I start looking around. And if I'm looking at my options, I have, you know, LA fitness, you know, you have your big box. So that's one silo life fit or lifetime, which is like a higher end of that silo. Right. But yep. if I know that I don't, I'm too intimidated. If I were the client that was too intimidated to go into those big things. Now I'm looking at okay, there's all these great small group things, right? There's burn boot camp, 
there's F45, their Orange Theory. But I'm looking around and I'm like, they all look exactly the same. It's a bunch of people in a room, sweaty with some balls and these steps. Burning calories. And like burning calories and they're really sweaty. Yeah. And it, maybe like, there's it looks, a heart rate thing. Going yeah. On. And like the coaches, everybody looks really happy, but it looks like <laughs> there's no difference between Orange Theory and F45. Yep. It's the sea of sameness. So if I'm yeah. in the market for a gym and everything looks the same to me, the only thing that I am going to compare them on is price. Right. So when I make my phone calls or I go onto their website, that's the only thing I'm looking for. They all tell me they have great coaches. They all tell me that it's going to be fun and that there's an amazing community. They all have that, Mm -hmm. but it's the same. So I'm like, okay, well, which one's the cheapest if they're all the same? Yeah. Um, So that's something that's, I, I think for me that I hope to bring to the industry is like, at the end of the day, how do you stand out? If we're all delivering the product of fitness, mm-hmm. how do we stand out? And more importantly, like, cause all of the, all of us owners, like we think we're really special. Like we know, and our clients <laughs> who are in our doors know yeah. we're special, but to the outsider, we look the same. Yeah. So we have to get really specific about the specific problem we solve for a very specific client and provide a very specific journey. Right. And be able to articulate that. And that's where the sales and marketing language really Mm -hmm. comes into play. Unless you have the marketing spend of Orange Theory and F45. Yeah. And Um, what what boutique or micro gym is going to have this ad spend that those places have. I mean, that's going to be really difficult to beat. Yeah. So anyway, I know that was a bit long-winded, but that's, no, I love it. Is, that's... You know, we need to look at, like, we have to make it, we just have to take a different approach because in order to attract right. the people who aren't setting foot in a gym, how are we going to stand out? Yeah. So that's kind of my, um, uh, soapboxes. We have to do fitness different. That's why I talk a lot about signature journeys, signature programs, um, you know, especially for those, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of your listeners and your clients are, you know, that independent, you know, gym owner um, who want it, who they want to stand out and they need to do yeah. something. Right. Yeah, we actually have, it seems to be about a 60, 40 split. So we have about 60% are online uh, health and fitness professionals of some kind, whether that's nutrition coaches, personal trainers, maybe they have an app. And then we have about 40% who are brick and mortar facility. Yeah. And so I really, uh, I guess to segue into the next uh, topic, but kind of a similar topic though, but really so that we can meet that online presence. I think I listened to something that you had talked about transparency. And I think that's, that's really important too. Um, And I think that's why my coaching program did so well when I had my nutrition coaching program, because I really had phases. So like, for example, phase one was the foundations phase. There was a lot of coaches that no longer would take clients if they didn't know how to already track macros. Well, there's a huge percentage of people who don't know how to, and are we just not going to help them? Right. You know? And so I had this program that was foundations first. And then phase two was then, okay, now we can get into what cutting would feel like. Right. And then we can get into, okay, what maintenance feels like and, and all of those things that go along with it. But essentially it was the phase thing. And I think when people know exactly what to expect, and there's almost a name to it Yes, that creates a layer of transparency that, that makes the buyer really feel like they know what they're getting into. Exactly. This is to me where so many 
fitness and this is relevant online or brick and mortar mm-hmm. or a technology like a fitness technology the most successful companies even if as a client you may not see it um the best companies have a very clearly defined journey for the client from where they start like how they're first introduced to them on the internet like uh or you know on an ad or or however to the first consultation to the next phase um i always use the example of uh the south beach diet if you remember yeah yeah okay so like like aside from with the diet itself, I believe one reason why so many people took to it and actually saw great, um, for those of you who are listening, I'm doing air quotes, like great yes. results. <laughs> <laughs> I know I always have to um, describe myself. <laughs> right? They break it down into phases like yeah. phase one and it's weeks one through four, it, you know, cut carbs, whatever it was. We, phase two, weeks five through eight, you're going to integrate, you know, fat. Well, I mean, I don't even remember what it was, but right. if I, was like, okay, I, I want to do something. Um, I, I know I want to lose weight and I go on to something that's like, okay, to the consumer, it feels like forever if they just have to do something forever, right? right they know right. they need to make change. So in, in the gym business, what often, or fitness is we usually come in on some sort of front end offer, a 30 day program, an intro, and we get a taste of what it what it is. And then the next option, like the next place we move is into the membership. Well, for people who, and a lot of our clients, they do not like fitness, their challenge, their behavioral like hiccup is that they can't stick with fitness in their life. They haven't figured out how to fit fitness in for Mm -hmm. long-term eating well, they can do it for a short period of time, but they can't do it long-term. So this is, you know, if we're not mapping out for them, Okay, for the you know months one through three, and this is particularly relevant for high touch. I want to make clear, like if you're an open access gym, I think your client journey is very different. Yeah, if you're tailoring um, a more high value, high touch service, like yeah. most boutique and a lot of online programming right. does, um, you need to define the journey, particularly for the first twelve months. Yeah, because yeah. other this is why we see such a drop off about 90 days in, because Mm -hmm. once they move into a membership, they're like, I have to do this three time a week program forever. Right. (laughs) Well, it's like, I have to track my macros forever. forever. Yeah. And, and I feel like the buyer wants to know three things. When do I start? When do I finish? And how much? Right. And, and a lot of times we're, we're hitting a couple of those, but not necessarily all of them. And, and I think that sometimes we, we harp on these like Optivia's and um, uh, like keto diets and these kinds of things because they're not healthy. But think of the consumer though, like it's very simple and easy to follow and they get results. Yeah. You can't deny that. And so how can you do that in your program? Because at the end of the day, the, the client needs some kind of a result. They do. Can I give a a quick story that I think will illustrate like the, okay. So just over the weekend, my son is, he's almost 11 and he's in a, you know, the phase of life where he's collecting football cards. I mean, this is okay. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So it's football cards and he comes downstairs and he's like, mom, can I sell some cards on eBay? And I'm like, of course I'm like in the middle of something. And so this would require me like getting him on my phone, logging in. Mind you, he's never sold cards on eBay. His friends (laughs) told him he could, again, air quotes, 
make yes. a lot of money on eBay. Yes. Which is <laughs> kind of like, kind of like, I think mine was told about crypto and I'm like, Oh, buddy, <laughs> to talk so to your dad. I said, okay. I said, so before we spend time, like the black rabbit hole of eBay, <laughs> I said, and I'm thinking like, I'm like, this is a great moment to teach my son some yeah. entrepreneurial skills. Right. So right. I said, here's what I want you to do before we're going to get onto eBay. I want you to go write down what's the goal? Like, what's the reason you want to go on I eBay? It. <laughs> and then you need to map out the steps in order to reach that goal. Is he like, and, oh my God, never mind, mom. And then, well, like, <laughs> I literally see his eyes slowly glaze <laughs> over. And then third, EJ, I need you to write down what you need in order to achieve those goals. Okay. So, and in his mind, all he's hearing is wah, 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 wah. Right. <laughs> And so he, and I said, and I said, so go do that. And then you can come back and we can talk about eBay. Right. So he goes and he like rips off a piece of paper and he stomps upstairs. Not five minutes later, he comes down and being extremely like extra dramatic for, for dramatic effect. Sure. Crumples up the paper, throws it in the garbage. And I said, EJ, like I right said, is, every, is everything okay? Yeah, he, obviously. I said, is everything okay? <laughs> like, can I help you? And he goes, just nothing. It's nothing. Never mind, mom. And I was like, and, and I <laughs> like, let's, we can talk about my parenting tactics another time. But I said, so he goes, it's just too hard. Like it just, I don't, I'm not going to do it. And I said, so anytime something gets hard, we're just going to quit. Right. And he goes, mom, you gave me like 30 things to do in like five seconds. And I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what you're talking about or why I'm supposed to even do it. And I was like, Oh, so basically I set him up to fail. I, in five seconds, I gave him 30 things, literally overwhelmed him, set Mm -hmm. your goals, make your plan, write down what you need. Right. Okay. Now go do it. And at that moment, I realized, I said, this is exactly what we do to our clients. We say, Mm. come in and you're going to exercise three times a week or set your goals, exercise three times a week, count your macros make a gratitude journal, get to bed on time, like manage your strengths, do 14 <laughs> do extra all these things, things and you're and, already busy day and do it in the next 21 day challenge that I'm going to give you. And then we wonder why they give up. We they wonder up why they that. get frustrated at, you know, whether it's 30 days or 90 days. And so we have to understand like the cadence the cadence of human behavior and how they're going to take the services that they need with the cadence of the business services, like how we're offering our services. And there's a catch because on the one hand, we think, well, that's how we're going to get them in is we're going to get this whole long list of the things that they think they need. They know they need a meal plan. They know they need macros. Well, do we feel like as the, as the uh, coach on this side, like this is our list of value. This is, this is, you know, $40 worth of value. This is $50 worth of value. This is $80 worth of we value. We give them the value grand stack. total of bottom line. Right. For yeah. $2,000, but for only $99, you right. get the 21 day challenge. But for today, slash right. it in half. Right. Now, what if we were, instead of throwing this all in the 21 day challenge, if we were to visually, so when I work with my clients with my momentum program, the first thing we do is we create that client journey and we say, like, how are we articulating to your very specific client, the very specific problem that you're solving? And we need to visually show them, listen, I know that you need, and you know that you need better habits around food, stress management, sleep, 
fitness. But to be honest, if I were to give that to you all at once, I'm setting you up to fail. Mrs. Jones, just think about it. The last time, the last 10 times you've tried doing it all at once, you ultimately fell off and it's not your fault. This is why we have this journey that I'm showing you here. This is how we get best success. For the months one through three, all I want you to focus on is coming in here for three times a month or three times a week. And then we start building in a nutrition, better nutrition habits. Then from months, you know, six to nine, we take on another personal challenge. Like, but now they can visually see a roadmap from what's going to get them from their place of frustration to the place of their potential. So along those 12 months, they can actually, it's like a barometer for where they are instead of like, yeah, I signed up for this, like membership. I got to go three times a week and they, yeah, they give me challenges. (laughs) And I love how you have this momentum word as your really title for your program, because this is what builds that momentum. I think a lot of, a lot of times people will look at somebody who, um, you know, for example, I'm running a marathon in May followed by a bodybuilding competition. And it's like, I didn't get here. Like I didn't wake up yesterday and decide I'm going to be in shape for that. You know, I, this is something over the last probably eight to 10 years I've been gearing up to do. And I'm just now in the kind of mental it's not even about the physical shape. Yeah, it is. But mentally you have to be there more than anything to be able to go through a journey like that. And I think that's the biggest piece. A lot of times that we forget about is that mentally it's the biggest part of it. Yeah. And I think what most certifications, if you will, more and more now with health coaching, and I think a lot Mm -hmm. of um, more, um, mature coaches. And I mean, mature meaning like, um, those who have been around and they start seeing, they've been working with enough clients that like, at the end of the day, I can give you a perfect fitness program and I can Mm -hmm. give you a perfect meal plan. But the, the difference of those who will continue to struggle and those who will see lasting success, the differentiating piece is that mindset and habit piece but how do I teach it? How do I provide a framework for them? How do I do it in a way that's engaging, um, that's educational, that's meaningful, that's not just shoving a square peg in a round hole and telling them to do the same laundry list of things that have failed them in the past. Um, And so, you know, that, that for me is my mission with my momentum program. It's like, that's the missing link, but most coaches just don't have the tool to be Mm -hmm. able to really highlight them as coaches, to complement their fitness prescriptions, to complement their nutrition prescriptions, um, and, and really be able to, you know, from a human behavior standpoint, like bridge that gap for people. Yeah. 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 That really is a, a, cause I, I feel like there are a lot of really amazing tools, but, and we see it on the financial side of business as well, because, you know, if, for example, um, you know, I need another certification before I can go over here. I need another, um, you know, credential before I'm ready to do this. And it, and it really is a situation where it's like, at some point, it's not always about that certification or about that credential. Um, you know, as far as what we see, if you don't do X, Y, Z, if you don't separate your finances, if you don't have your LLC, if you don't have yourself protected, these foundational things, your business is not going to be set up for success. And I think what I hear you saying is that you can give them the best meal plan in the world, the best exercise program. But if you don't have these foundational layers to bridge that gap, they're not the going to cracks will show and they're, yeah. they're going to show in the house at some point. At some yeah. point. Yeah. And that's, it's so 
funny or ironic rather how mirrored that is on the financial side of a business as well. We can take that and really apply it to any part of our, Mm -hmm. of our, you know, lives in and out personal professional without a a, like certain foundational uh, whether it's self-awareness whether it's um, just these fundamental pieces you have to have into play and I think the challenge is you don't know what you don't know so from a financial standpoint right like we've been taught certain things in school or we've been led to believe well financial I don't think we've been taught any of this and actually in in terms of (laughs) yeah I might argue that I don't know (laughs) like wellness and well-being these aren't and stress management and and and, uh, resilience these are definitely things we're not taught in school either so we should all go back and rewrite the curriculum Yeah, that's another episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole nother. That's part two. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that, but you know what? Let's parlay that into opportunity for us. You know, this is where I think the fitness industry in particular is so perfectly positioned to offer these foundational um, personal leadership principles, self-awareness principles, wellness, well-being, because it seeps into every part of our existence, personal, professional, with our families, financial. If I don't have self-awareness around my emotions around finances, right? you know, coupled with the tactical things that I need in place in order to succeed from a financial standpoint, it's a recipe for disaster, right? So I mean, it's it's just like principally. It's just like saying, you know, from November 20th until January 5th, I'm just going to throw it all out the window and figure it out later. I mean, the same thing goes with your finances too. You can't just throw it all out the window. You're going to pay for it sometime. Nope. And I think having the plan, you know, if I were to kind of break down, you know, the, the three big things is, and I think just listening to a lot of what you, um, you and Sean talk about, it's you know, for me, I think the thing is, as a fitness professional, whether you're an owner, operator, dreamer, uh, entrepreneur, online or brick and mortar, at the end of the day, it's putting your stake in the ground and solving a very specific problem for a very yeah. specific client. And until you're clear on that, and I think that there's a place, especially when you're first in the industry, I think you do need to work with a lot of different clients. And yeah do a lot of different things so that you can get really clear. You said it earlier, clarity. Who do I love serving? Who do I resonate best with? And as important, who don't I serve and who yeah. you know, don't I resonate with? Well, it, and I totally agree with you. I don't think you can find that out until you are more of a generalist. And then it's almost Great. like it, it's either one of two things I feel. It's either who you used to be and who you came from your old person is your really your avatar or your avatar finds you. And I really think those are, those are the two places that, yeah, that really, yeah. And, and, and then having the awareness of, all right, let me, let me really peel back the onion and, and see what's the actual problem for mm-hmm. this client that I need to solve. Yeah. And what's the specific solution? Like, yeah. and then the journey, right? So I, right. I know who I'm serving. I know their problem, but now I need to create a very specific solution, yeah. a journey that I can best art, that I can articulate in a way that says, wow, Lindsay is the person that you go to when you are struggling with work-life balance. You don't know how to make health your priority. Um, you've tried everything and you feel like a failure. She's the one that you go to. Otherwise yeah. you're like, oh, I was on a, in a local Facebook group the other day and somebody posted 
Um, hey, I'm looking for a gym. Any suggestions? 89 comments later. Oh my gosh. I learned nothing. <laughs> if I was that woman who posted, I was then like, this has actually made me more confused than anything because right. everybody in there is like, oh yeah, they're great. This one's F45 is great. Right. Coaches are great. And they've had great experiences, but there was one out of 89 responses, one that said, you need to go to this place because if you, it sounds like you might be a person who struggles to find time to work out. You're a person who feels like you've tried everything. And if I'm that woman, right? Like, and my clients know how to talk about me that way. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to get the momentum of business because people know exactly what you do, the problem you solve, yes. who you solve it for, and they can articulate it almost as good as you can. And I love that you brought up the the idea of asking questions. I was, I still get asked a lot of nutrition questions and I love it. It still fills my cup, you know? And, um, I had somebody ask me on, on Facebook or had made a comment and then tagged me on Facebook in the comments. Um, I, it was a a lady that needed to actually gain weight and somebody had tagged me in the comments, assuming that I would know the answer. And there was again, several, several comments, And they were all do this, do that, do this, do that. Right. And I was like, this is a loaded question. You know, why do you need to gain weight? Who's telling you that you need to gain weight? You know, you got to know before you start answering. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, that generalist specialist, I think is a, is a good reflection point for owners. And, And the more refined you are, I just, I think that that that's, what's going to help you stand out. Um, in that sea of sameness in the fitness industry is, you know, and it's, it's scary. I think there's an apprehension that if I don't serve everybody, then I'm going to miss opportunity. I'm going to miss out. Yes. And for me, the minute I was like, you know what? I actually don't want to serve everybody. If you're coming to lose a quick 10 pounds, I'm not for you. I'm going to, I'll refer you to somebody else, but it's so liberating and so freeing when you can be like, yeah, you know what? Um, could I help you? Yeah. And oh, your son, he's trying out for the college soccer team. Yeah, I, I could probably train him, but no, I'm not going to because that's not yeah. in my forte, right? Like just yeah. opportunity gets thrown at us. And again, I think yeah. there's a time in your career where you take every opportunity, but you look at it and you say, what do I love about this? What don't I love about it? And then you go down into that niche, who you serve, get to know them as best you can run with it. And, uh, and that's where the money's, that's where the money opportunity, purpose, passion, that's where where it's easier to create the journey because you're not trying to create a journey for everybody. Right. You're doing it with a very specific. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like with fit CFO, we get asked all the time by other different kinds and types of businesses. And it's like, you know, we're here right here. So it just makes things a lot easier. I'm presuming much more successful and you can service your clients better because of it. We just, yeah. And we don't have to second guess. Well, if we put it out this way, then we have to talk this way to that type of business. And we just don't even have to worry about that ever. Marketing becomes easier. Sales becomes easier. The delivery becomes easier. Your customer service, you can hire people who align with that. So now like managing a team and leading a culture is a lot easier. You're not trying to like, just it's otherwise you're just throwing spaghetti at a wall and (laughs) hoping it sticks. Yeah. Hoping it sticks. (laughs) Well, man, this has been absolutely wonderful. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Oh, it's fun. It's good stuff. 
Well, I just kind of want to bring this back around a little bit, how we talked, you know, that really developing, you know, your skill, your knowledge and deepening that side of things is very important, but there's this also whole other side of things with, with management and, um, really understanding your customer and, and where they're coming from is very important. And then I would say the part two of our conversation is having a really clear, transparent message. And then being able to deliver that experience to really create the value. If any of our listeners are curious about what you do, want to hear more, where can they find you? How can they reach out? Sure. Social media platforms are always a great way just to connect, send a DM. So it's just Lindsay Vastola. I do have a a group for fitness professionals, um, leaders, owners. It's called the Fitness Leadership Exchange. Um, So that's a great one. Yeah. Oh, I haven't invited. Yes. Join it. It's, it's just an open forum for, um, I do, you know, some lives in there, share resources, goings on in the industry. Um, so it's a, it's a great community for collaboration and everything. So that's the fitness leadership exchange. Um, I also do something called the fitness leadership Academy, which is that professional development. I will do virtual workshops typically, you know, on a monthly basis, um, send your team members to them for you, uh, you know, for you as the owner, um, things on, you know, everything from communication to sales to like those other intangible soft skills yes, about yeah. that are absolutely necessary. Um, you know, my goal is just to, you know, reach, help, help fitness professionals up level, like up level this industry. We have too many people yeah. who need us. So social media, um, if you're interested, if they're interested in my uh, momentum program, which I do two different options, they can license it, bring it to their gym, um, label it for their gym, um, health club, what have you. Um, or I have an affiliate opportunity as well. It's momentumforgyms.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes so that they can locate you, find you. But thank Thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for all you do. Great stuff. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable. Whoa.